In conclusion, this book, while excellent in its analysis of all, well, is a welcome attempt to bring together the theories and methods of two different fields of study, social history, detailed enough so that more seasoned researchers will find I'm Robert Castanello. I'm the Vice President of Research and Publications at HNET, and this is the Art of the Review podcast. I'm Yelena Kalinsky, Managing Editor of HNET Reviews. And this is a podcast where we examine reviewing and criticism as an academic form. This podcast is brought to you by HNET and the University of Central Florida's Center for Humanities and Digital Research. Welcome to the Art of the Review podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Art of the Review. And in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the process in which we train review editors. Uh, Yelena, can you tell our listeners, how is it that someone becomes a review editor at HNET? Sure, Robert. Um, There are sort of two ways that people find out about and decide to become a review editor. Either a network might recruit somebody like a colleague, or people just find us on the web or they read HNET reviews and they decide that they would like to commission and edit reviews. Either way, they will start by filling out an application letter, which they can find um, at the reviews page, and we'll have a link to that on the Art of the Review show notes. Um, And that application will be sent to the network for endorsement. So the advisory board and the rest of the editorial board will go through and decide if they would like this applicant to join the team. And once the endorsement is secured, uh, the letter gets put up for certification by the HNET Council. All in all, it's about a two-week process. And at the end of it, they will be contacted by one of the copy editors who conduct the training of all new review editors. And our subscribers know who these copy editors are, right? That's right. Basha Novak and Charlotte Weber. So, Robert, since you have been VP for research and pubs for a little while and you've also been a review editor, can you speak to who you think makes a good review editor? Sure. I think, you know, the the one thing, and this is the most obvious um, point, is that the review editor is someone who can set aside enough time in their work week to be a review editor because a review editor is a little bit different than being a network editor at HNET because a review editor, you know, has to deal with a variety of different people, you know, week in and week out because they are getting individuals to review uh, books and works for the H-Reviews project. And so, you know, one review editor at any point in time could be communicating with 15, 25, 30 different people who are reviewing works for that network. And so they have to be really, really organized. They have to really have free time on their hands. And they have to really uh, know how to find appropriate people to match them to books. So it's not so much, you know, anyone who's written a book, may become a great review editor. It really has to be someone who knows how to develop and knows how to find a network of people because what happens is you get a book or a work that comes into HNET and then you have to match that book or work with a reviewer. And usually it's more than just doing a Google search. It's really kind of finding a fit and a match for work. And that's sort of a, a skill that's required for a review editor. 
Yeah, and being able to use the calendar alerts. Um, so why don't we listen to our interview with Basha and Charlotte about their training process for review editors now. Charlotte, Basha, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your methods for training review editors in general and specifically for professionalism? Sure. This is Basha, by the way. Well, the first thing that we do is when a review editor is accepted into the training, we send out kind of a generic letter that lays out um, what our expectations are for the training process. Um, they have to look at our guidelines, our HNAP policies, and so forth, and we do send them information um, and emails. It's all through email. And one of the, the emails that we do send out directly are linked to this idea of professionalism. We send two reviews, one which we find quite unprofessional in tone, and the other one which is publishable and accepted. And we want them to get at that uh, in their training, in their responses to those particular reviews. So we ask them to respond. You know, how would, if, if a reviewer were to send this review to you, how would you respond to this review? Would you publish it? Would you not? Why or why not? How would you critique this review? What else would you ask for from the reviewer before it went through copy editing? And Charlotte, do you find that this is a difficult concept to get across, or is there basically agreement about whether these reviews are professional or not professional? So the two reviews in question, one contains a clear conflict of interest. Um, the reviewer uh, has a personal animus toward um, yeah, the review is, was part of like a roundtable discussion of a book. And in this review, the reviewer launches into a very personal attack on another participant in this roundtable. So it's, it's actually not the author of the book under discussion. It's just somebody else, another scholar. But uh, as I said, it's a clear violation of HNET standards in that it's a completely ad hominem um, attack and the reviewer's personal history with the person he's attacking um, should have disqualified him from, um, from writing anything about that scholar. The other review is a more ambiguous case. It's a long review. The tone is caustic. I would even say snarky in some spots. Mm -hmm. And a lot of trainees really seize on that and um, and say that the, you know, they think, they feel that the review kind of violates HNET's um, policy with regard to professionalism, which really stresses courtesy, temperateness, constructiveness. And so they, when they um, respond to that review, uh, a lot of them say as much and my response is that uh, that review editors actually have a lot of discretion when it comes to determining that fine line um, in terms of when a review becomes unpublishable. And I tell them that they are fully within their rights as review editors to ask the reviewer to tone down the more negative comments but that from our perspective, the review is publishable because the criticism really does remain focused on the book. In other words, it's not baseless. The attacks, like I said, although the tone is somewhat caustic, 
um, it's not to my way of thinking and to boss's way of thinking, it doesn't go over that line. Right. And I think the first uh, review that we uh, have them read, the attack is on the person. Um, it's very deliberate and it's attacking the person and not necessarily that person's scholarship. Whereas the second review that we find publishable, the attack is on the scholarship. And uh, although it's very negative and caustic and, and so forth, it's still professional because it really focuses on the book at hand and not some other entity or a person. And I also tell review editors that it is up to them. I mean, they can outright reject a review that they find unpublishable, unprofessional, or they can ask for revisions if they so choose. It's, it's up to them, as Charlotte mentioned. Great. And just one more question then. Um, how frequently do you find uh, these questions come up in actual reviews that you have to edit? Very, very rarely. Rarely, rarely. Yeah. I can recall one case, and I, I won't name the network, but this was several years ago. Uh, it was a list that or a network that submitted a review that was written by um, the reviewer is very well known in his field. Um, there were a couple of points in the review where I thought it crossed a line, and so I wrote back to the review editor suggesting as much, and um, I. I thought very gently suggested that that the review editor go back to the reviewer and ask him to maybe rewrite or or temper those particular points. And the re review editor was very defensive <laughs> and said he wouldn't dream of asking this reviewer to change a word of his review. So. Was it because that reviewer was very well known in his field, or or because of uh, he agreed with his assessment, or was didn't see as a problem? I think you know. I think I, I I don't know. I, I think he had you know. I think he had a lot of admiration for this person, right? Um, mm -hmm. And felt that it you know this is a matter of he solicited this review, and this is this person's opinion of the book, and who was he to interfere? Very interesting. Uh, okay, well, thank you for uh, shedding a light on some of these questions. Thank you. Thanks, Yelena. We'll have lots of information about becoming a review editor and all the links that you need at the Art of the Review show notes blog on the H Podcast Network. <laughs>